Behind the Gutter. I'm Haley Behal. Today on the pod, we talk with Jennifer Parsons from Greenfield Junior High in Gilbert, Arizona. Greenfield's book is a perennial list maker, but it's also a book that middle schoolers love, and a book her staffers love to make. Jennifer discusses how she teaches her staffers to design and write well, to meet judging expectations, but also how to keep it real to make books that sell. She tells us how middle schoolers can do the same work as high schoolers, they just need a little more time. And the Greenfield book proves that every single year. She's also our number one coverage report cheerleader. Jennifer talks production cycles, interviewing and re-interviewing, writing the stories students will care about, and her favorite young adult books. So we are here today with Jennifer Parsons from Greenfield Junior High School in Gilbert, Arizona. Welcome to the Mind the Gutter. Hi, you guys. <laughs> so we always like to start with asking how uh, you got into your book. So how did you get into this crazy world of scholastic journalism? Um, well, I kind of got voluntold that I was going to be doing your book. My previous principal uh, was like, hey, we're losing our yearbook advisor. She's having a baby. She's not coming back. Surprise, you're our new yearbook advisor. <laughs> and I was like, okay, do I have to do it? And she was like, yes, you have to do it. Because you scrapbook, you can therefore yearbook. And I was like, okay. But the previous lady actually ended up leaving early. And so I got to start over in like April of like one year. And then the program was fully mine the next year. So wow, that's kind of crazy. How did you, how did you end a book? Um, thankfully, the kids knew what they were doing. Um, so it was kind of one of those things where I was like, I'll just sit here and babysit you and you guys have at it. <laughs> um, and then I got to do like distribution and see what that was all about. And I got asked a lot of questions by the kids and parents and I, I was clueless. Right. So <laughs> The program at Greenfield was already kind of developed and yes we have both a yearbook and a newspaper program um and it's mixed both seventh and eighth grade so it's kind of nice because some junior highs in our district they only allow the eighth graders to participate in so i get to have both but it's been going on basically since our school opened 25 years ago it's taken different shapes and forms we no longer actually like print our newspapers we're completely online to try to save paper and money and then yearbook We've amped it up the past five years because a few years ago, my kids were like, all right, let's listen to Megan, our rep, and let's like get moving. And Megan was like, yes, let's compete. And I was like, okay, let's compete. (laughs) You said you are a scrapbooker. (laughs) I am. How has scrapbooking helped you in this yearbook land? Um, I think I understand some of the layout stuff better just because in trying to put pictures on an actual printed page. It definitely helps me visualize things, but man, columns and pikas and grids, oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How long have you been at Greenfield? Um, Next year will be my 15th year on campus, but it'll be my 10th year with your book and newspaper. Okay. Did you learn from the students or did you attend a lot of camps and (laughs) workshops and... The first like little half a year that I took over, the students basically taught me how to goof off. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into it, um, Megan Siebold, my rep, she was like, okay, let's get you in. Let's get you trained. I uh, took some classes over the summer with her because Megan and Mary 
they always set up cool workshops over the summer that we can go to. So tried to learn as much as I could there. And just little by little, Megan kept inching me closer and closer so that I could become better and better. So I truly owe it all to them. (laughs) So thinking about this first, that first summer where you're going to these things and like kind of getting inundated with all this information. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What do you think maybe like two things that someone in a similar situation should process that summer? I would say learn the design because if you don't understand the design of the book, it's going to be really hard for you to understand why things are set up the way that they're set up. And then the second thing would just be to ask as many questions as you need. Reach out to whomever you need, whether it's your rep, uh, other people, the listserv, something of that sort. Just reach out because there are people that are willing to help and are willing to share their expertise. What were those, um, or what was it like when you took the step to say, okay, we're going to start competing. You'd only been doing it for five years, so you finally understand what you're doing, and now you're like, let's do something new. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was a lot of prodding by Megan because she said, you have this, you can do this, and if this is something you want to do, then we need to get moving on that. Um, And so I think it was more hesitancy on my part. Like, there's still hesitancy on my part you know, is my book really good enough? And yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, so I think it's just learning to take a deep breath and just move slowly and understand that you can only work on a few things each year and to not try to do it all at once and just slowly but surely kind of get your foot in the door and then you can get in the game and you can play and have fun. (laughs) So that first year, what was the thing that you decided this is what we're going to change. Um, the first year that we tried, we switched to chronological. <laughs> um, and that was interesting. It was our 20th anniversary book that we had tried it with. And it was kind of just one of those things where we were like, we're trying something new. This is better for us because the traditional way of coverage for your book wasn't really working for us. And so we were like, let's dip our toe in send it off to, you know, the two major houses and see what the critiques come back with. And, you know, surprisingly, that first book that we entered, actually, we became a finalist for the NSPA Pacemaker. So it was kind of like, whoa, okay, we've arrived. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) How did you figure out that a traditional coverage approach wouldn't work for you? When I started flipping through the pages of the books previous to mine, and there were a lot of pictures of kids and desks, mm-hmm. and just listening to the students on campus, because, you know, the kids would buy them, but then you would hear them say, well, you know, it's kind of boring, or, you know, like, why didn't they put this in there when, when this happened? You know, it just, if you listen to your campus, and you listen to what the kids have to say, they'll kind of put you in the right direction as far as what is important to them. So I feel like that's why we needed to change was because the kids weren't really digging it anymore. Did you create like focus groups or how did you kind of receive that feedback from your from your campus? Well, I teach English as well. Mm-hmm. I've taught both 7th and 8th grade English. So my English classes are really the kids that I'll kind of like try stuff out on. Um, they get sneak peeks of the yearbook all the way through the year. And I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? Or when we're stuck on a headline, I'll actually open it up to my English kids and say, what do you think? You know, um, and they always like to do like the punny style, you know, headlines as far as that's concerned. <laughs> um, so it's kind of just getting help, I guess, from 
English kids too. Yeah. What's the best pun headline that you came up with this year? <laughs> this year? Or like in general? I don't know because we use a lot of them. We honestly <laughs> do. There was one book a few years ago where we kept doing a play on words with music lyrics uh-huh. and we hadn't even realized we had done it until the book came out. And then... It's every one of my heads is <laughs> all my books. <laughs> so I think a lot of schools out there work in a silo. So they work within the staff and don't really ask the opinion of their school and of the people that are buying the book. So other than a chronological approach, that sort of switching, what else have you listened to from your buyers and have integrated into your book? I think we just listen to the way that they talk. Um, The 2018 book, So This Happened, that whole theme came about because of the kids. The kids would come running into class, Parsons, 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 so this happened in science, or so this happened in social studies. So we just kind of started looking at each other, and we decided this has to be our theme, just because it fit with our junior high population so well. I think that is very interesting that you said you were listening to the words that they were saying, because so many great themes are just phrases that people (laughs) say all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I had one for this past year that it's and we're done like we're not doing this anymore we're done (laughs) and um just like having that level of sass or that level of um vernacular that the kids are saying like makes it so much more unique to that specific school than just having sands of time (laughs) time flies and i think it's hard because it's a double-edged sword um some of the people that critique the judges will say you need to not make it so loosey-goosey and you know try to formalize it a little bit more and that's where then i disagree it's like well yes i like competing but this book is for my kids and so if it means that we write in first person because it jives with the theme more or it fits my kids better and if that means that we use their vernacular um oh lord we actually did like a little urban dictionary of grizzly terms and we talked about like what oof meant and (laughs) you know stuff like that and so i think it's cool for the kids because 10 years from now they're gonna look at this and they're gonna say oh gosh i remember saying oof like why would i say that (laughs) speaking of those stories i was flipping through the book and saw a story about a gum tree oh yeah (laughs) taken down and then I read it, and it was really cute, and then looked at some of the other stories and was just really impressed with, I mean, first of all, middle schoolers writing these stories. <laughs> and second of all, like, finding that story. Like, how do you teach your students to see something happening and say, we should write a story about that? I think if it's important to them and they're talking about it, that's my clue that it needs to be brought in. Um, This year, we actually don't normally cover this kind of stuff because it's touchy um, in our community, but the kids were talking a lot about the teen dating violence uh, presentation that we had at our school, and it was just constant chit-chat for, you know, like a week. And I said, well, is this something you think we should cover? And the kids were like, yeah, let's just do a little poll, put like a little tiny story in there, just because it is something that, you know, we're dealing with as, as kids. So the gum tree was a lot in the same way. This tree has been around for as long as our school has been around. Um, And at the start of the school year, we always take like really fun pictures of campus just to get the kids used to the camera. And it was sad to drive up one day 
and see that there was this crew out there taking down the gum tree. No warning, nothing. Like, you can't do that. that <laughs> that's, that's an icon for our school, you know? I think it's very also interesting that it's you're listening to what your staffers are talking about because that is what is important to them at that moment. And those are the things that they're going to want to remember, like you said, like 10, 20, 30 years from now. Because if you didn't write that story about the, the gum tree, no one's going to remember that that tree was cut down in five years. Yes. Like, I don't even remember anything that happened in high school. And I graduated six years ago. Like. I'm just always amazed with middle school staffs. Like, my middle school yearbook was 85 pictures on a spread. Done. What is it like <laughs> teaching younger students? Mm-hmm. Yes. What is it like? <laughs> um... It's fun. I love the junior high age. I actually got to teach high school for a little bit, and they don't really want your help. You know, they, as soon as they're freshmen, they kind of think they know it all, and, you know, they want to step out and do it on on their own, and I like that my junior high kids are still willing to ask for help. Um, They're still sort of endearing. Um, As annoying as they can be some days, (laughs) (laughs) that's what makes them endearing, and so... I think just really, again, listening to them and trying to break things down into smaller chunks. It I can pretty much teach a junior high kid almost anything that the high school teachers are teaching their students within reason. There are certain things that we don't cover just because it's such an abstract term that the kids are like, um, you want me to look at what? <laughs> um, so, you know, really just hitting the basics and teaching them design, you know, that's one of the first things that we do right out of the gate is, you know, here are like little pictures and puzzle pieces and move them together and, you know, make it look like this. Like they're not necessarily doing true grid design or column design at that point, but just letting them play with the pieces. And then we do the all about me assignment where the kids get to do a full spread about them, mm-hmm. where they're practicing dragging in, dropping in the pictures and writing captions. And I don't really give them a lot of direction with that because I kind of want to see how they're doing and what they're coming in with. And then we go through and we talk about how can we fix this? Here's how you write a caption. They go back in and finish, you know, fix their captions and finish it. And then it's super cool because at the end of the project, we print it out for them and they have this cool keepsake, mm-hmm. you know, for their year in, in your book. That's so. a really cool first project to do because people react to themselves and like learn from themselves very quickly and so having a project that they're one immediately invested in because it's themselves (laughs) and then uh you're able to tweak that based on what they're learning throughout this you know 30 day process or whatever however long your boot camp is (laughs) and then at the end they have this yearbook spread yep it's very interesting. And I think they're even surprised when they look at it from beginning to end. Kind of like with our regular spreads, I always print out a first version, a middle version, and then a last version. And then we just lay them out and they look at it and they're in awe of how far they've come a lot of times. So Yeah. Talking about middle school students, how do you get them to buy into this process and like the amount of work that is involved? Um, that one's a tough one simply because... You know, they don't really have a work ethic. They've never really had to have had a work ethic before. You know, most of them can do homework and turn homework in on time. But to actually see the volume of work, I think that's when it's helpful for them to work in teams or for them to have other people uh, to help out. 
but I don't normally just give them a full page. I normally try to pair them up with someone just so that they do have someone else to turn to and to try to ask questions, but you just got to take it slowly and literally break it down step by step. So if that means it takes us two days to work on captions, then it's two days to work on captions. If it takes us five days to master copy, then we take five days to master copy. Um, in the swing of things, that's a little bit harder to do, but it just becomes a, I print it off, try to give them some direction, hand them what they have, and then say, please try again. <laughs> Make it better. Random aside, I was listening to a podcast about where a reporter was being interviewed about his reporting. Anyway, <laughs> and he said that when he interviews people, he researches them for like days in order to feel comfortable, to feel like an idiot talking to them, but like comfortable enough. So that's what I do. <laughs> so somehow in the Google world, I came across an article that was about this rule of three process oh, that you do? Oh, Aaron Manful, yes. Yes. Okay, so that's for newspaper. Oh, okay. Um, and that's for the other side of, of our program. And I just happened to catch Aaron Manful's rule of three, but it was a high school version. And things are just different in, in junior high. And I know that you sit there and say, but it's still your book or it's still newspaper. But the kids just process things. They're more emotional. Um, it's really hard for them to be even keel and to consider both sides a lot of times because they're so emotionally invested in, in what they believe. Um, so one of the things that I had asked my editors is, okay, what do you guys want to do? Well, we want to do something different. Okay, well, what do you want to do different? And I just started researching, came across Aaron's list and said, how can we make this ours? And so I sat down with uh, two of my newspaper editors and we made it more, I guess you could say junior high friendly, put in a few more profiles. We had them do some more photojournalism type stuff because the kids always want to take pictures. Um, and then I happened to just to reach out to Aaron and say, thank you. You know, I appreciate it so much. Um, here's the junior high version that I did. If you want it, you know, um, please, you know, I'll, I'll, I give all the credit to you. Um, and then he and I just, you know, chatted a little bit by via uh, email. But yeah, it was just trying to mimic what they do in high school journalism, but at the junior high level. What is the rule of three process? So the rule of three is basically for every cycle that we go through for a newspaper, the kids have to pick three different projects that they work on. A uh, cycle takes an average of about two and a half to three weeks, depending upon what's happening at school and what the, the kids' schedules are like. But um, they need to have to pick at least one major article and then they can have kind of like two fun articles or they can do a top 10 poll or um, we have some really talented artists. Um, we have one of our young men this year, he draws a comic called Todd the Baker. Um, and so we post that. But it's just saying you have to write one sound article, but then go have some fun with your other two choices. So it's balancing the work with play a little bit. That's very cool. That's awesome. That's a, I think that works very well at the middle school level because I'm thinking back to my middle school newspaper yearbook experience and like I just always tried to write those hard, the very hard-hitting articles and never really learned how to write the like fun stuff. And so when I went to high school yearbook, like I was still wanting to write the just very hard angles and, but a yearbook is all about the fun, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it keeps them invested, too. Right. It's hard yes. to keep a 
you know, 12 year old wanting to write if it's yes, boring. It's journalism. definitely a balance and kind of caters more to their attention span, I'll say. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the kids, you know, kind of like what you said, they work on their hard one first and then they take a little bit longer on their, their fun ones. I have one girl that wrote like 19 pages worth of a short story and then continued it in her next round. Oh my gosh. Wow. So it's like, you know, we have budding novelists here too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what is your production cycle like and how do you incorporate teaching these kids and also producing a book at the same time? Gotcha. So we try to take pictures of everything regardless of whether we're going to cover it or not because there's always that one instance where I swear every year we have someone that washes their SD card in Mm -hmm. the washer Mm because they leave it in a pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, So if everyone's taking pictures of different events that are happening throughout the year, then it just gives us a little bit of, of a safety net. But we do a lot of background from August to end of September. That's when we normally meet with Paul Ender. Uh, He comes to Arizona and conferences with us, and it's just really fun to have him sit back and, you know, point stuff out, and the kids are taking notes, and we adapt from there. But we really hit the ground running more so in October, just because that's when all of the templates are made. We're good to go. The kids are starting to pick up the stories from August and September, you know, finalize them, put them together, get them on the spread, re-interview people that gave us horrible quotes, something <laughs> of that sort. Because, you know, in junior high kids, oh, how did you like it? It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? How was it? It was cool. <laughs> how do you get, especially because middle schoolers do give this sort of answers all the time, how do you get that, like, next level How do you teach your kids to get that next level of questioning? We try to teach them to have conversations instead of having interviews. And we actually tell them to put the notebook and pen away. Um, And a lot of times we just have them use their cell phones and record the conversation. And it's not even, you know, like we're holding it up, like we're interviewing you. (laughs) Um, You know, normally just held down at your side and just talk to the people. But that's also why I have the kids have two or three people like for one quote spot that they can interview because you always just get that one kid that doesn't want to give a good quote. And then you're like, okay, fine, move on to the next one. Right. So, you know, I guess flexibility and understanding that you can say, okay, sorry, I need to move on to someone else. Yeah. Talking about the, the nitty gritty of production, you know, some high school staffs have like four or five week production cycle where it's the planning week, the coverage week, the design week, the whatever week. How do you kind of do it at a middle school level? Because you said you have all your templates done by October. Yeah. So, well, not necessarily all of them done, but we have a good idea of what it's going to be like. We have a tendency to kind of focus more on the templates that are going to be due and then rearrange them and put them on different spreads. Um, We don't really do the pre-planning, you know, pre-production, all of that good garbage because With middle school, it's kind of just a big chaotic mess. (laughs) We do normally, like the first two days of an assigned deadline, we sit there and we sit down and we say, okay, this is what we have on our ladder. We're going to cover unified PE art and we're going to cover the high school trip um, for, for the eighth graders. How do we want to approach this? You know, of the two people that are assigned to this spread, which one of the modular stories are you interested in doing? And then I always say whoever gets the main story only has to pick one smaller story and then the other person has to do everything else on the page. Um, But, 
it's really just kind of letting them buy in and choosing what they want to do on the spread because then they're more willing to actually work on it. But then also giving them, you know, we have a headlines and pictures date saying that you should have all of your pictures and all of your headlines in. And normally that's about a week and a half to two weeks after we've started. Next one then is normally student deadline where they should have finalized all of their copy and all of their captions. And then we have my final deadline, which is normally about a week later. But the one thing that I've really noticed with these kids is we've switched to a lot of alternative copy modes. Mm -hmm. And these junior high kids just pick it up. Like, Mm -hmm. it's way easier for them to work with alternative copy than it is to do the standard copy because... I don't know. I haven't been able to get really a junior high kid to buy into an all-out, like, full standard copy book. Yeah. Right. Well, even the kids who are reading them aren't going to. I mean, I was reading that, and I was like, these story sizes are perfect for a junior (laughs) high kid because they don't want to read a long story. What type of alternative copy are you talking about? Um, Well, there's one in the 2018 book, So This Happened, where the kids... We're talking about we should cover getting school IDs because it's like a real ID. Um, and I said, okay, let's let's cover school IDs. And I said, well, you know, why is school ID? Why are getting your school ID? You know, why is it so important to you? And just listening to the banter of the kids, it was kind of one of those things. Then, all right, we're gonna break this down into steps. So I was like, I want you to give me the three steps to getting a school ID, and then put your voice into it. And it was just such a cute story because they were like. Yeah, you have to like, the photographer makes you tilt your head at like a weird angle and you're like, really? And then, but it doesn't matter because I got out of English, you know? (laughs) So just kind of letting them cover those stories from a different perspective that lets their personality shine through, I think is what makes the voice of our book so awesome. And I think this all starts with having a very curious staff that can kind of think abstract and think about different ways to cover it. So how do you instill this like curiosity of, oh, well, we want to cover photo IDs. Well, a lot of people just get a headshot of a student saying, I got my ID. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think just having those conversations, we will literally have meetings and say, okay, for the three months that we have, this is what we planned in the summer, but what do you guys really want to cover? So doing that helps, but then in addition is if it interests them, it probably belongs in our book. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, there are some things that I have to, you know, squish because it's like parts of our book would be completely anime or <laughs> would all be about the most popular singer at the, at the time. Um, so it's really just letting them know that it's okay for them to express their personality and playing with it a bit. There's times where when they're writing copy... I'll say, write it as if you guys were actually talking and they'll come back and, you know, bring it to me and I'll be like, oh, that's, that's awesome. (laughs) But it's funny because they don't like it when I use the same words that, that they do, but I do it on purpose, like just to annoy them. (laughs) So So you have editors, right? Yes. And in your middle school class, what are the editors responsible for? So they're responsible for basically finalizing and proofing everything before it gets to me so they work with whoever they're assigned to right right now I have two editors um, and normally what they do is they kind of split up the book and and the pages a little bit and then they say okay I'm going to take care of these people I'm going to take care of these people Um, and kids cross editors all the time depending upon what questions they have but um, 
just giving them the power for them to walk up to someone and say, I don't know if we should write it this way. Can you try it this way? Or I really think you need to put in a few more details. You know, this could appear in any book in any state. You know, put more stuff in it that represents Greenfield is giving them that power. Because for the most part at the junior high level, they're not going to mess that up. There's very few kids that are going to take it the, the wrong way. They they take it very seriously, but still have fun with it. Okay. Um, so I think it's just getting them to understand that they do have this power and that it is their job as editor to make these decisions and keep the staff running. Very cool. Your book is very, the design in it looks like a high school book. Like it has, it's grid based, there are mods, there are photo packages. The first thing that you said was you have them kind of do the puzzle piece approach. So could you talk a little bit more about that and how that helps them visualize how things can piece together? So in the summer, my rep will come in and do like a mini yearbook vacation with the junior highs in our district. And she will teach them normally square one. Um, but I always like to just cut random pictures out of magazines and say, okay, what looks good, you know, here and kind of just push them around. Um, and they will naturally, after seeing examples of good design, kind of sort of put stuff where it belongs. And then it becomes, okay, let's get on e-design and see if we can mimic this stuff. It's always easier on paper than it is when you get to the computer for them. So a lot of times the kids will either get on Pinterest or take a picture of something and say, Parsons, let's make this. <laughs> and so that I say, okay, I try to lay it out as best I can. And then Megan will come behind and say, well, why don't we try this? Or why don't we try that? Just mm -hmm. to, you know, try to push, push us in a little bit different direction. But it starts with models of things. Like yes. It starts with looking at what good design is and then kind of drawing that out on paper and then translating that onto... Yeah, so it's definitely step-by-step step with, with the kids. Um, what's super fun is having them just create the craziest, you know, I this year I told one of my editors, just create the craziest layout that you could ever think of by trying to fit as many pictures on a spread as you can, but doing it within the rules of design. And she ended up with like 24 pictures wow. on a little size seven spread. And I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> um, and granted, it like wasn't something that we could print, but just in looking at how she was thinking about laying stuff out helped me understand what they wanted so that therefore I knew how to move them um, in the right direction. Yeah, that's awesome. no, I think that's awesome. I'm always so impressed by the amount of coverage in your book and the number of pictures that you have and that it still follows a grid and still is very um, journalistic. And yes. It's crazy. You just teach them the basics. Push your writing to the outside, you know, grow everything off of an eyeline and your gutter, and they eventually pick it up. It takes them a little while, but they will eventually pick it up. I think they like using modular design better simply because they don't feel that they have to write as much. But then the funny thing is, is when you look at the spread, there's still a decent amount of writing on there. So it's kind of like, ha ha, tricked you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my kids love writing captions. Uh, so it'll be funny because there'll be times where we'll be making templates and I'll say, but I need more caption space. <laughs> 
And Megan always teases me. She's like, you and your darn caption space. Stop writing such long captions. You know, like, you only have a size seven book, so. That's, captions are the best part oh, of yeah. the book, though. That's yes. a great problem to have. Yes. <laughs> when you're teaching caption writing, how do you approach that? Because that is, like, I think one of the hardest things to get people to understand. Yeah. Again, I think it's just basics. I tell them that it should not talk about what is in the what they can physically see in the picture. They're supposed to be telling the story of what happened before and after that moment in time. And then we talk about the four different ways that you can start a caption. We Which tell are. them. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talk about that you can do like a quippy lead-in, um, that you can start with a quote, you can start with the person's name, or you can start with a gerund phrase. Um, and that's about as far as we go in junior high. I know there are other ways that you can start captions, but for, for my kids, that's about as far as I, I take them. Um, but, and I tell them to vary it. And it's funny because kids want to find patterns. So literally I'll get a gerund phrase, a name, a quote, a gerund phrase, a name, a quote. And it's like, no, 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 mix it up, silly, you know? <laughs> and then depending upon what they're talking about, I tell them that will give you a big clue of how you need to start that caption. If the date is important for some reason, then you're going to start off with, you know, like a short phrase. If you need to describe the action still a little bit, start off with that gerund phrase. If what the person said in the interview makes the picture 10 times more exciting, you start off with that, with that cap, with that caption using a quote. Uh, Annie Gordonstein Falkenberg uh, described it in a way last time that the first sentence is kind of the picture and the second sentence is... Um, giving more facts about mm -hmm. it. So is that kind of the approach that you have too? Sort of. I try not to use the word facts with the kids because then it gets really dry. Yeah. <laughs> um, because when they think of facts, they think of on January 27th, 2019, this happened at such and such a place and such and such a time. And that's not obviously fully what we want our captions, every single caption to sound like. So you know, we tell them that it should be rooted in fact, and then we always try to sneak a caption in, or excuse me, a quote in all of our captions, or not all of our captions, but a lot of our captions, just because it's additional coverage for for some of those kids, uh, especially with trying for the zero zeros. If you can get some other quote in that caption for a kid that might not have been covered elsewhere, it's an excellent way to, you know, get his or her voice in the book. Mm -hmm. Zero zeros. <laughs> Or do you try to do two mentions in a book, one mention in a book? We really push for two and, and more. Um, so eDesign users have this amazing tool. It's called the coverage tool. It's one of my most favorite things to use. Um, but it's awesome because everyone's like, what's with the donut? What's with the donut? <laughs> and I tell the kids that donut is the most important tool that we have on eDesign. And so I teach them about the red list and the blacklist and that any time that they need a quote, they need to pull from the, the red list. So The red list is... Oh, so the coverage report. Yeah. And the coverage report in eDesign, we will always look at the kids that are on red. That's the zero to one for, mm. for our book. And then I will say, if you need a quote or a caption, you need to go interview someone on the red list. So um, we will actually, when we get club rosters and sports rosters will go through and highlight with the colors. So if they're on the red list, they're pink. If they're yellow, they're yellow. If they're green, they're green. If they're black, they just put a line through their name so that they know who to interview on the team to help boost that coverage. But 
I don't know. I guess I feel like I'm one of the only people that actually uses it or something because (laughs) I'm like, use this, you guys. It's awesome. (laughs) You're not alone, but more people should use it. (laughs) More people definitely should. Yes. All right. Switching topics a little bit. We like to ask some non-yearbook related questions at the end. Gotcha. You could have a superpower. What would it be? I don't know. I feel like being a teacher, I already have a superpower. If you could have another superpower. Um, if I could have another superpower. Um, I know it's cliche, but it would probably be to fly because I'm scared of heights. Oh. Um, and so, and then it would save money on when I need to travel around the United States. So. <laughs> there you go. If you could adapt a novel into a Netflix movie. Ooh. What would it be, and who would you cast? Oh, dang. You know, they just actually did one of my favorite books, Jenny Han's uh, To All the Boys <laughs> I've Loved Before. Um, and yes. that that whole series is a, is amazing. And so they just did that first movie, and I'm hoping they're making more. They but, are. Oh, they yes, are? The second yeah. one has been announced. Oh, yes. nice, nice, nice. <laughs> um, oh, let's see. I'm kind of stuck in YA lit land because right. that's where I live. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> It's she just wrote this book called One of Us is Lying and it's kind of like Breakfast Clubby ish where all of these kids get put in detention for supposedly their phone going off in class, but really it was set up and then you know, the five or six kids are in the room, but one of them ends up dying and it ends up that one of the other people in there are the cause of it. And so you have to figure out by the end of the novel who it is, but it's like your typical, you know, breakfast club, you know, um, kind of story with your jock and your nerd and all of that good garbage. So it's just so funny to watch them interact with each other in, in the novel and then figure out at the end who is actually responsible for, for the, the kid's death. And then yes. who would play, like, the main character? Who? My favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite character. I don't know, because I don't really know a lot of the younger actors, I'll yeah. say. It could be an yeah. older actor. Like, who would, if this was adapted into, like, an adult version of oh, the film. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> uh, I love Ryan Reynolds, and then like my old school one would be Carrie Ewells from the the Princess Bride, mm. just because I love him. I love him. I love him. So, well, I actually used to work at a bookstore, and that was it was the big deal when that book came out. And so, I think Netflix should do it. We should approach Netflix and tell them that they need to do. This. You should write the. Write the screenplay. Yeah. yeah, she just sure. she just released another one, and I yeah, it should be sitting on my doorstep here soon because <laughs> I ordered it before I left. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, if you could have dinner with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be, and why? So I really like sports, and I really like baseball. Um, so you're a Red Sox fan. I am a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankees fan. I, so. I come by it honestly. I lived in Massachusetts for almost nine years, so I do come by it honestly. But um, I'd love to just sit down with the, the Red Sox team and just pick their brain, especially this last um, team with the, you know, the World Series win and just, you know, like, I don't know how Alex Cora, probably Alex Cora for the most, because how do you put together a team like that and manufacture that many wins? But then you also look at the team and say, you don't think that some of these people, some of these players could manufacture runs in the way that they did, because on paper, they don't look like the star players that, you know, they ended up being. Of course, for Pedroia, Pedroia the Destroyer. So. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Who do you think taught you the best parts of yourself? My kids. What do you uh, What do you think the best parts of yourself are? Your 
kids or your students? Oh, no, my, my actual kids' kids. Your I have kids, um, okay. twin daughters who are 18 years old. They attend Adams State University in Alamosa, Colorado. Uh, they actually swim for their swim team there. <gasps> I'm a swimmer. Oh, no way! Yeah. No, like, swim is, like, never talked about anywhere unless it's the, the Summer Olympics. And my daughters are always, like, upset. Like, where are the swimmers? There's always baseball players and football players. And <laughs> so, yeah, one, um, one swims fly and free, and the other one swims back and free. Oh, I could not swim back straight. I saved my <laughs> life. That was not a thing. Yes. And they are distance. They're... They used they, to love swimming the mile. Like <laughs> They sound a lot like I was in high school. Yeah. <laughs> um, so probably my my daughters, just because I had them when I was 22, and it taught me a lot about myself and what I could accomplish and what I couldn't accomplish, um, or not necessarily what I couldn't accomplish, but what I needed to say no to. Mm-hmm. I still have problems telling people no sometimes, <laughs> but um, just realizing that I could balance finishing up my degree, being a mom, being a wife, balancing friends and family, uh, I think that was honestly one of the greatest gifts because, you know, as a mom of twins, you don't really realize how much stuff you can carry until <laughs> you're forced to carry like 12 shopping bags, two babies, uh, oh gosh, <laughs> you know, yeah. all of that. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Yeah. Can you give a paper plate award to anybody in the world? Um, a lot of times it has to do with your book, but sometimes it does not have to do with your book. I don't know. I'd almost have to go way back to like high school and Mr. Radford's English class because he let me argue with him Mm. about grammar and writing in general. And it was nice because I had so many opinions and so many questions and all of the other teachers were kind of just like, shh, be quiet, you know, just do what I need you to do. And I actually remember Radford, he tossed me out of class and sent me to the vice principal's office because we were arguing over whether or not um, the word upstairs was an adjective or an adverb. And the sentence was, the boy ran upstairs. And we had an argument, right, in class about that. And he it's said, an adjective or an adverb. <laughs> it's an adverb. <laughs> um, but it was funny because he was just like, Jenny, out. <laughs> That's the only time I've been kicked out of class. <laughs> yeah. So probably Mr. Radford because he really spurred my love for writing and English and reading and everything on as much as I would give it to my mom. I would say, like, Radford was the one that kind of helped me turn the corner. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, yes, for sitting down you. with us, and um, good luck this afternoon with Pacemaker Bibles, yes, right? Yes, yes, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs>